we see a sequence of moments lifted carefully from Guard's fractured mind. A stump of elderwood is sundered and extracted in shards. The tree is now dead forever. The millstone will devour it quickly. Geckos skitter past Guard's post on the edge of the glen. Before he can see them, really see them, they vanish. There will be no elderwood berries for the gods today. We see Porky in the branch of an old tree, fists clenched around a spear. A little sprout is pushing up from another elderwood stump. Guard throws an axe at him. Porky falters. So does the sprout. Carl and Caden Thomas drag the felled tree to rally. Maurice and Isaac make easy work of the windfall and the town rejoices. At long last, they might hold back the thumb of the Empressar for another month or so. It's enough for now. Let tomorrow be tomorrow's problem. And then we're back in the meadow beneath the shade of the old tree. Guard's suit is stained with mud and hedgehog tears, and his face is cracked. Demoiselle, or her avatar in this plane, is blemishless. Resplendent in silks, she turns this last fragment of Guard's mask over in her feathered fingers. It's not enough. Her children are gone, and no amount of explanation can ever balm a grief this absolute. She hangs her head and crushes the bit of mask into white ceramic dust. It is not enough to acknowledge an injustice. It must be righted. Guard, you see her lift her eyes. Demoiselle has fixed you with a quizzical intensity that would frighten any creature that could properly die. She has acknowledged your explanation, and she is waiting for... something. It's your turn. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. What should I do with my turn? Oh, let's check my character sheet. Let's, let's see what cool abilities I have that will help me in this. Oh. Maybe I'll cast Fog Cloud. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. What's that over there? <laughs> you have achieved what you wanted to achieve. You came to this place to demonstrate to Demoiselle that the Empressar existed, and in our last session, we caught a glimpse of Guard being uncrated before their holiness. But the long tail of that memory, the chain reaction kicked off by this mission, was one of violent destruction of the Western Wields. She understands that you, guard, were not acting of your own volition, and that you and Isaac and the rest cannot be put specifically to blame. But as I said, it is not enough to simply acknowledge an injustice. You see the grief flare in her eyes again. A calmness that had pervaded her demeanor in this place cracks 
a little as she crumbles the bit of ceramic. And you see her for what she is. A desperately grieving mother. Guard is going to look down at his hands and at the axe at his side. I do not know how to give comfort. What would you have me do? Can you give me the first roll of what may very well be our last session in Arc 2? Can you give me a persuasion check at advantage? That's not terrible. That's a 16. That is a 16. That's, that's pretty good. Guard, I think you sort of reckon with your experience with Damoiselle over these past few months. And I think it can be easy to sort of forget that you have interacted with her in so many ways and through so many avatars. She has been a force in the periphery of your vision, looming death just out of sight in the Western Wheels. She has been the thing that led astray the creatures of the forest and Mel and almost June. She has been a terrifying and infuriated hell beast made of feather and pain. And now you get to greet her in a moment of supernatural calm, where your magic meets hers and finds her in a moment not of denial, not of anger. You hear her kind of (sighs) sigh deeply. Is it so very wrong to want the individual responsible for the death of your children to be removed from the world? I wouldn't think so, no. Would that help? I know that it... (laughs) won't bring them back. But it might stop it from happening again. If you can quell the storm that is happening, let me be your axe. And with that, we are going to move to our next turn. Three snarling weasels close in around Isaac and Sphinx, who stand as the only protection left for Harissa, racked with fitful slumber. She is unconscious, hanging on with one hit point and clipped to a maximum of 13. Mr. Spinks is faring little better, 
hovering around five. As per usual, it's all down to Isaac. And Isaac, kimono-clad and shield-born, is running low on options. Hungry jaws gnash in all directions. The bite of the undead driven by an insatiable jealousy for life. There might be some of the Minehead boys left in the harpy-like husks that circle and screech. But these beasts have nothing left of life in them. The first pounces. The fight is on. I swear to fucking God, that's a nat 20. Ew. That hits. That definitely hits. Is it? Is it towards Isaac? It is towards Spinks. Wow. Is this... So this is a new combat round? This is a new combat round. Uh, Isaac, you still have... Uh, yes, you, I'm you, gonna, you went I'm and... I'm going to put my shield up. Yeah, use your fucking shield. That's disadvantage on this attack? Yes. Good. Double nat 20. Get the double nat 20. Well, at... I did not. I did not get the double nat twenty. That would have been immaculate. Uh, but I did get a sixteen. Does a sixteen hit? Uh oh, fourteen plus proficiency bonus. Oh, that hits. Uh, so it is a six a 16, matches. 16, sixteen even. Yeah, it does hit. Ah, oh, damn it. Whew. Damn it. How much damage? Seven. Oh. I've made a note. He's still standing. The shadow beast roils, lunges, and sinks its teeth into Sphinx. <laughs> Poor Sphinx. Is he in the jaws still? Like he's being held there? I think he manages to throw throw it off. This is not a grapple. It's sort of like a Jack Russell with a rat. Like uh, I do actually need a strength save from Sphinx. Oh, a strength save? Uh, okay. He gets a plus three. Let me let me do this for you. A twelve. Uh fifteen. Nope. No problem. Spinks is still standing. He shrugs off the shadow beast, and we move to the next one. Uh having seen the shield being thrown, which does clip the first shadow beast, preventing the crit. Uh this shadow beast, this weasel, is going to go after Isaac. Uh Isaac does does a 14 hit your AC. Retracts the shield and blocks it. Wonderful. Uh, we move to the last weasel, who is again going to go after Isaac. It's a nat 20. Jesus. That hits. These weasels, dang. Isaac, you take nine points of piercing damage, and I need a strength saving throw from you. Got it. That's a seven. Uh, you are knocked prone as this weasel bounds off your shield digs its fangs into your chest and wrestles you to the ground. You're lying next to Harissa. Go ahead and make me an arcana check, please, as a free action. God. Oh. We're rolling all our best stats right now, right? Hmm. That's a natural 20 for a 19. Yeah. Uh, Harissa is under the effects of, basically, the sleep spell. Okay. You know that if you take, you or anyone else takes an action to rouse her, she will be back up and on a nat fucking 20, you know that her hit point maximum will reset as well. Okay. Oh, shit. Well, that's good. She has sleep in her eyes. Shit. <laughs> <All right>. oh. <laughs> However, it is not your turn. Right. And as we cut from the Shadow Beast, we move 
into a space of infinite darkness. In Demoiselle's roost, a veil of inky blackness, shimmering with memories of death, we see June. She's sitting just beneath a hole in the wall, her moss-covered dress a silvery blue in the soft nighttime glow of the mushrooms that line the trees and walls of the afterlife. She leans over a ledge, looking down into the infinite void beneath her. Mel is down there, somewhere, and she calls to him. Her voice carries down into darkness, muffling the distant sounds of the smoke spirit crashing over and over into the barred doors of the conservatory. Mel, could you please make me a wisdom saving throw at advantage? That'll be an unnatural 20. Dirty 20. These rolls, we are going hard today, boys and girls. Mel, the vision of Branvere choked by blood red vines clogs your eyes and you blink hard wrenching them open into a darkness that you cannot see through but the memory of Branvere fades and you find yourself pulling taut against a rope the rope that you bound yourself to very poorly in Ganbald's office I need you to make me a strength saving throw at disadvantage. That's only an 11. The rope snaps. And you begin to fall. Oh, damn, oh, damn, oh, damn. June, I'm going to go ahead and give you a reaction to intervene if you have a way to intervene. Um, yeah, so I hear the rope. Do I hear the rope snap? Um, I want to shoot my grappling hook, which I think I still have. Yes, you do. (laughs) I want to shoot it into the ground and I want to hold on to it and jump into the hole. Oh, fuck. I was going to make you roll if you were going to shoot the grappling hook at him, but, um, (laughs) okay. Uh, go ahead and give me an acrobatics check, please. Uh, we're going to say that this is a DC 10 to grab onto Mel. 15. You get your arm around Mel. Mel, you feel June close in around you and then tug against fucking something. You have no idea that she managed to find a goddamn grappling hook. Um, You are both suspended in the middle of this column. Uh, That was your action, Mel, to make that wisdom saving throw. Uh, You still have bonus action and potentially movement or any kind of means that you want to react to this. So I'm now aware that June is above me, I assume? No, she's she's got I'm holding you. you. Oh, she's oh, you holding you. Yeah. You have I have me. like one arm around you and another arm holding the grappling hook and I'm like you better hold on. Hold on. Um 
all kinds of mixed emotions with the the Branvir vision just having filled his mind and suddenly being caught by June. Um, he's going to grant her inspiration. And he says, all you need is deep inside you. Trust your heart, because I do. And June's just going to turn bright red, like the whole <laughs> face just turns the same color as her fur. <gasps> oh, fuck me. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thank you. And the two of you hang there momentarily in the darkness. We'll roll a little strength check for our smoke spirit. Uh, passive perceptions from the both of you. Thirteen. Thirteen. You both hear... <laughs> as the smoke spirit breaks the doors to the conservatory and makes their way toward you. Mel's going to turn to June and say, That might be my fault. I don't think we've done much today to make the smoke spirit too pleased with us. And with that, we move. All right, we got to roll some uh, recharges uh, for our boys, our mine head boys. Uh, one recharge, one not, and one not. <laughs> um, Isaac. Uh-huh. Can I please get a constitution saving throw from okay. you? From you. As a 16. You save as Sherwood himself rears back and shrieks this anguished shriek <laughs> attempting to drive you from consciousness. That's his action. Uh, and you save. Uh, you are still prone. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, this Mindhead Boy is going to have advantage. Avantage. On his attack. Uh, does it 11 hit? It does not. Okay. Does a 22 hit? That hits. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, not a lot of damage here, just the claws. Uh, five slashing damage. Okay. And the final Minehead Boy is going to see Isaac on the ground, Harissa on the ground unconscious, and Sphinx still standing. Just. And he's going to lean back and swipe. Does a 20 hit? Who? Sphinx. <laughs> Sphinx, <laughs> yes. It's all of us. <clears throat> I'm not sure this role matters, but that's a five. I could have hoped that the dice would explode or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, if the dice cause grievous bodily harm, they're invalid. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sphinx, uh, as on his way back to sort of limping back towards Harissa, um, gets swiped by the minehead boy and just kind of flings him backwards and he just rolls and just lays still on the on the ground. And in that moment, we rejoin June. June, you have Bardic Inspiration, Mel, in your arms, suspended by a grappling hook, and not much time 
until the smoke spirit figures out where you are. You have no idea where the rest of your friends are and how they've been affected by Demoiselle, whom you narrowly missed dying to. What do you do? So I'm not 100% sure how grappling hooks work, but isn't there like an automatic like... I am. I will. I will give you uh, the the. You can get back up to where you were as your movement. No check. Nothing required. Thirty feet of movement. You're back on the ledge, standing with Mel. Okay, that's that's what I would I would like to do. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go up. Step one. You're back up. We might want to prepare ourselves if um, the smoke spirit is uh, kind of pissed. Yeah, I don't know exactly what we'll find up there, but. I think together we can handle it. And you make it back up to the ledge. At the top of this ledge, you see faint light from the hole where the clock was that Demoiselle pushed off of this wall. You can poke your heads out and see what's happening down on the ground. Or you could turn and find the hole that you entered from. About a 15-foot jump away. Back into Ganbalt's office. What do you do? So there's a hole. There's another hole? Two holes. One through the screen that you entered into, and one that is not crazy big. It's where Demoiselle punched through the wall, causing the clock at the front of the building to fall off and down into the crowd. So there's a hole to the outside and a hole a little further away into Ganbald's, back into Ganbald's office. But then there's a third hole. I guess you could go straight down. Yes, you could go straight down. You don't know where this goes or how deep it goes or what's down there, if anything. You There's could absolutely so go straight down. So many hole options. We um, went from shafts to holes. Shafts to holes. Which technically, they're all holes. But and pipes. Yeah. Do you know where anybody is, Mel? All I know is there is some mighty commotion going on outside that I... I can only imagine has something to do with Demoiselle. I, look, I, I don't know what could rip a hole through the side of the building like this, but I would imagine she could. Well, let's take a peek, and I'll go over to the hole in the wall that looks down towards the town. Can I see any of my friends? Yeah, go ahead and roll me a, uh, a perception check. And she'll reach her arm back to Mel to, like, she doesn't want to fall in. <laughs> he hold my hand for a second? I gotcha. Thirteen. Okay. You survey the wreckage beneath you. Immediately down, you see the debris of the clock, shattered gears and wooden planks, the crunch of a building crushed underneath its form. You see a few bodies laying around. The two or three unfortunates that didn't make it out of the way. You see a dark, almost burnt trail of destruction left in the wake of Demoiselle. That hulking mass of feathers that is stock still in the middle of of the courtyard immediately in front of this building. You see that she has her gnarled, mangled, giant beak pressed to Guard's forehead. Guard's face is cracked, and he is motionless. 
You see Ganbald flitting about, desperately trying to conjure an abjurative rune and failing. And you see Harissa, Isaac, and Sphinx, all laid out at the feet of more birds and gnarled perversions of living creatures. It doesn't look good. So do I have movement and an action? Top of your turn, uh, you use your movement to get back up to the ledge. So you have action and bonus left. Is there a pipe that leads from where I'm looking down to the ground? No. Fuck. Uh, Mel, I found our people. Um, they look like they're in trouble. How, how do we get down? Well, I do have a crazy idea. I, I have a spell I've never used before. That could maybe get us down there. I'm here for crazy. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) He's he's gonna reach out his hand and if as a reaction, Patrick, I can cast a spell. I'm listening. Pitch pitch me. Mel is gonna reach out his hand to June and say, do you trust me? I do. She'll grab his hand. I trust you. All right. Now, I haven't perfected the words on this one, but we're going to see if it works. Gently falling like a cloud. We'll see if this is allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking amazing. He's going to cast Featherfall on the two of them. I am so mad. No one has I'm ever expecting him to start singing like something from Aladdin. I was, I was very, I was very ready. No one has ever, no one has ever tried to convince me to just fully break the rules by writing in fiction poetic verse. Meta, meta lyrics are clutch, right there. Fuck. Um, it's a compelling argument when so you make it's it in game. It's a really good. It, I honestly, I don't think I can say no because it's in the fiction now. Um, Here's what I am going to say. I will let you uh, cast this uh, spell. Uh, I will let you cast this spell in place of June uh, make, taking an action here. Um, could you please tell me what Featherfall does? Choose up to five falling creatures within range. A falling creature's rate of descent slows to 60 feet per round until the spell ends. Lasts one minute. If the creature lands before the spell ends... It takes no falling damage and can land on its feet, and the spell ends for that creature. I am going to actually pitch you on a different approach, slightly different approach. If the two of you jump out and free fall for June's turn, Mel, at the top of your next turn, I will let you cast Featherfall as your standard action. And you will all you will both make it safely to the ground in one turn. If you cast Featherfall at the top using this slightly goofy reaction, the cost is gonna be that it will take you somewhere on the order of eight rounds to get down. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I think Let's go. I think Let's narratively go. how that works is he reaches for the magic, he says the words. And they jump, and the magic doesn't kick in right away because it's a new spell. I think that's exactly right. And the two of you at the end of June's turn are 
<sighs> Trust oh. falling like 300 feet. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Just tail whipping through the air. And with that, we move to Ganbald, who <sighs> drops his rune. And in a moment of silence, turns to see Isaac fall. And June and Mel fall. This isn't working. Maybe I need to stop fighting it. Wait a minute, what the hell is Gard doing? And it is at that moment that he realizes that Gard has cast contact other plane. And we see Ganbald in midair cross his legs and land gently in a meditative pose. That's going to be his turn. Harissa. Yes. How you feeling? <clears throat> Sleepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Harissa is still uh, unconscious, but um, Sphinx. Isaac, Isaac. He's going to start crawling slowly towards Isaac. Isaac's beating the weasel, just punching the weasel in the face. Isaac, come closer. Little occupant. Oh, Mr. Spinks. Reaches his hand Isaac. out. <laughs> and <I laughs> Spinks is going to reach over to Isaac and kind of like pull himself and like kind of nussle and say, Isaac, could you, <coughs> could you tell Safra that I love her? No, no, you're going to tell her yourself, buddy. Hold on. I, I just, I don't, will you promise? He holds Mr. Spink's little, little claw. I promise, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. And as he's saying thank you and sort of relaxing, he just slowly disappears. And that's the end of my turn. It's not, actually. I need you to make me a constitution saving throw. Oh. I'm physically shaking. I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> A 14? Harissa, you wake up. <gasps> oh no, and that's the first thing you see? Fuck! I think Harissa probably like, bleary-eyed, just, what? What is... And she'll kind of look over and she'll just see maybe the haze of a color just she thinks she sees disappear. And then she sees Isaac. Uh, are you laying next to her as well? You're kind mm -hmm. of there. Yeah. What? Oh my God! What happened? Oh God! And then she sees like the weasels and, <laughs> and everything else, <laughs> sort of looming as her uh, as her vision gets better. Oh God! Um. Oh God! What do we do? We're we're everybody's doing something really important. We're just holding the line. 
Mr. Spinks gave it his all. What? I'm I'm sorry, Harissa. Saffron. What? He's gone. What what do you mean? Gone? What happened? Isaac still has his hand like gripped around it and no longer there hand. He's uh, He said he loves you. You see her face kind of change from a confusion to a shock, a sorrow, and then just finally fixing on a rage. She's just incensed. Um, And the only thing she can think to do now is just do as much damage as she can. Harissa is... Give me like two minutes. Hi, friends. It's Patrick, your DM. When we were recording, Emily asked for a break after that really emotional scene. And... We decided to leave it in for the episode. As performers and players, we often lean on our real feelings when channeling our characters, and those real feelings need time and space to process. Actual play, it can often make it feel like everyone at the table should be professional and impervious to their feelings. And that's not true. So we wanted to part the curtain and say unequivocally that feelings are real and good and important. Take time to feel them. But I'm also not going to like leave you on that fucking heavy note because this is a heavy episode and I want to inject a little bit of excitement into your otherwise dark and mysterious lives. (laughs) Or rather, I've got stuff to talk about that we're excited about because it's cool for the show uh, and we hope that it's going to be cool for you. As we wrap up Arc 2, They'll Need a Crane. Uh, We're going to have a couple of episodes in between Arc 2 and Arc 3. The first of those episodes is going to be per the format, a rallying interlude where our heroes are going to once again get a slug of magic items, this time created by you. And if they weren't created by you, you're probably not a patron. You should go to our Patreon, sign up for almost any of the tiers. You're going to be able to submit homebrew magic items, patreon.com slash unbalancedencounters. We're also going to be doing some level up. Uh, We're going to be handling uh, some big changes that happened with Guard uh, that I'm extremely excited about. It's a very fun episode, Uh, but it's going to be a little bit of housekeeping before we uh, move the story along. Then for an episode or two following that, we're going to be doing the first of what we're kind of calling short stories, Uh, little campaigns, the first of which is going to be set in the rally universe, where a couple of us and some special guests are going to get to play in a short campaign. After having Sayer on for Arc 2, They'll Need a Crane, we love the energy that guests bring to the show, so much so that we don't just want to limit ourselves to one guest over an entire arc. We want to be doing a lot more of these short stories, going out, grabbing you, and having you join a game with us. So if you're at all interested in ever being a guest on Unbalanced Encounters, a great place to start is to uh, follow us on TikTok, Unbalanced Encounters, uh, or join our Discord at discord.unbalancedencounters.com, or of course, join as a patron on our Patreon. So again, the next couple of episodes are going to be the rallying interlude and this short story that we are extremely excited about. More information on that soon. And then we'll launch straight in to Arc 3, The Lizard King. 
Thank you all so much for being on this journey with us. And uh, I will let you get back to this extremely hectic episode uh, with a lot of deep feelings and things that uh, are good for listening in your ear holes. Okay, I love you. Bye. Isaac. It's your turn. Um, Isaac takes that same hand. And for the first time in a long time, he uh, drops the shield, um, grabs onto his axe with both hands, and swings at the weasel. That's a natural 20. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Let's. Is boom! <laughs> Isaac. Let's funnel that rage. The first time you pick up your axe with both hands, in if it hasn't been this entire game, it's been since the first combat. You wrap your hands around the hilt, rise to your feet, and bring it down on the skull of this weasel. Go ahead and roll me damage. It's a seven plus ten. So 17. 17. Yeah. Isaac, in one swing, how do you kill this thing? Um, like I said, he's also getting up at the same time. It's just all one quick movement as he realizes what transpired in, in six seconds, basically. Uh gripping the pommel of the axe to the point where you can kind of hear the stress in the wood of it. Um, he screams out loud, just a, a guttural yell. And it's as if the skull of this creature was made of cotton as he just cleaves completely through it. Um, if it could feel anything, it did not feel the end of its uh, life. Wisps of shade and exploding feather peel away from the head of your axe as you cleave this thing in two, and it disintegrates into a bluish-black cloud. Uh, Isaac looks just tears in his eyes, veins just stressing out of his face. Uh, He's just gonna just shout at all of these quote-unquote death symbols. He's just going to try to intimidate them. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, go ahead and roll me a uh, an intimidation check uh, at advantage for that nat 20. Okay. Pat, you're not going you're not to you believe me. You didn't. You're not going to believe me, Pat. You didn't. <laughs> oh my god. Is that's that the third another nat my 20, third baby. Nat 20 in a row. <laughs> it's never going to happen again. I'm using yeah. all my luck, apparently. Isaac? What does this sound like? Uh, similar to the Thunder Smite that, that like, you, you see it, and then a couple seconds click in, and then, like, Thunder just... And it's not words. It's literally like just frustration, anger, his own grief, his own sorrows, just all coming out at once. And like nature, just 
in a shocking boom of power that you know humanoids in this world could not fathom to have but only your environment and and, and nature can fathom and just and um it's it's to the point where his neck you know those neck like yep. veins start popping out and just he he a normal person would probably pass out from shouting this hard but it's just him letting out all <laughs> everyone saw him cry earlier in his in his grief this is him with harissa joining harissa in this anger in this rage and we flashback fuck <laughs> fuck you <laughs> god damn it patrick leave us in our grief for one minute please <laughs> it's a quick glimmer but it is one that is burnt into your mind you and dale and your platoon are deep in the eastern mountains on one of your first expeditions away from Agravar. And you know that there are bandits all throughout the tree line surrounding you. An arrow slams into Dale's thigh and he drops to one knee. And a rush of bandits, covered in blue paint, bursts from the trees, bearing axes and hatchets and daggers and bows. And as they close in on you, you see your friend on the ground. You wrap two hands around your axe, scream in an echo of your fury, and cleave straight through two of them. For better or worse, this is what Isaac knows. And we revisit the battlefield. The shadow beasts, snarling, whimpering, take a step backwards. One a little further than it probably meant to. Would you like to take an attack of opportunity? He's... he's Blind rage swinging. All right, that looks more like Isaac. That's a nine. You whiff slightly as this thing pulls its paw out of the way, but you have now put distance between them and you. The Minehead boys still shambling in your direction, but just a little more slowly. And that's going to be it for Isaac's turn. Guard. You stand in front of Demoiselle. She is waiting for something. You know that she wants something that, well, it might not be justice, but it rhymes. She wants revenge. Even if she is couching it in the way she speaks of it. What do you do? I'm gonna make I'm gonna I'm gonna make a call here and I don't know if you're gonna like it or not, but I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Guard is going to look up at 
demoiselle and all of her sort of awe and beauty, but also like overwhelming presence. As much as Guard is a little bit of a dullard, he does understand that in this moment he is standing in front of something that is significantly bigger than himself, or at least bigger than anything he has really like faced in a singular way before. He understands the feeling of commitment and of obligation and the feeling of uh, responsibility. And uh, he is going to look up at her. He's going to reach down. He's going to pick up the Lorax. And he is going to take it. And in a single swing, he's going to chop off one of his hands. And then he is going to take that hand. And he is going to hold it up to her. I give you my hand. Let me be yours. She holds out her feathered palm, takes your ceramic hand, hollow on the inside, a warrior's gauntlet. She turns it over, considering the implications. I have never heard of a god requiring the help of a guardian. This Empress are... You will bring them to ruin. Yes. If it will help you. If it will help this place. If it will help my friends. Yes. And with her other hand, she reaches out. Grabs the edge of your ceramic mask. And pulls it away. Then be my vassal. I will wait here until the job is done. Guard, you feel something twinge in your ceramic body as the faceplate comes away. Behind it, nothing but smooth, polished stone. Your filigree that had been glowing with an ambient lavender dies. What? manifests in guard as he gives up his guardianship of the western wields in exchange for a promise made to a god the blues and greens that sort of emanate from guard and that he has been drawn to in the past fades and it is replaced with something older and darker wisps of shadow and blood start to ordain his armor refilling that empty filigree with twisting bone and feather as it makes its way up his ceramic plating does guard get a new hand I don't think so. Um, I think that it stays a, a broken stump. And I think at least for now, his face is just gone. It is just a smooth, blank, polished stone that has these almost like marbling ripples of, of red going through this dark, almost 
black silver stone. Guard. I need you to please change your subclass. I would like you to please change to Path of the Zealot. Okay. And you see Demoiselle hold your hand close to her chest and say, The Western Wields are unfortunately too weak for me to be of much use for you in them. To say nothing of going beyond their borders. But I can offer you one boon. Should you fall to axe or arrow, I will ensure that my guides bring you here. Then together, we will send you back as many times as we need to to finish this. And in the end, guard, you found what could quell the rage within her. The god of death, the grieving mother, needed sacrifice and revenge. And with that, we move on. Holy shit. Y'all need a second? I'm chilling. <laughs> How many seconds? We're running out of seconds, guys. <laughs> this this episode. Holy crap. Wow. Dang. I am going to roll a morale check for the Shadow Beasts. Uh, oh, yeah. If this is a 10 or under, uh, they are going to retreat. This is a 16. Everything stays the same for the moment. But now Demoiselle's happy. Surely all the other shit just kind of goes poof. She's not happy. We need her man to finish this freaking spell. She is not out of the demiplane. The shadow beasts are going to lunge. Within five feet of each other, they both have pack tactics. They are going after Isaac first. That's an at 20. God damn. Oh my God. What is with the nat 20s? I don't know. I don't know. 12 points of piercing damage. Isaac is down. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay, so you are at zero hit points with no saving throws made. As these shadow beasts tear into you, the weasel's fangs biting over and over. <laughs> Always these freaking weasels take Isaac out. <laughs> and we cut to Mel and June plummeting through the air. And in a moment of stillness, they reverse for a beat and land gently as reality warps around Mel Manon's oath. You're now standing at the foot of the clock tower. You are 60 feet away from Isaac and Harissa. Sphinx is gone. You're 30 feet away from Ganbald Guard and Demoiselle. Mel, what do you do? Well, first things first, even though we landed softly, Mel still lands in a superhero pose and punches his hand down to the earth. <laughs> Three point landing, go! Yes! And he looks around him and he goes, 
I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad we made it. <laughs> That's very impressive. I'm very glad you could do it too. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. You can't see, but he's blushing a bit under his furred face as well. Where are the weasels? They are attacking Isaac. They're on top of him currently. Again, Isaac and Harissa are about 60 feet away. They're surrounded by weasels and harpies, as far as you can tell. Some sort of demonic bird creatures. Mel is going to draw his rapier from his side. Look at June and say, well, shall we join them? Fuck yeah. And Mel's going to run towards the nearest enemy. Mm -hmm. And I think full movement will just get him to them. Mm -hmm. But instead of attacking, I don't think he can attack yet with his rapier. So while he's running, Mm -hmm. he's going to cast Vicious Mockery. And... He says, Look at you, so full of vim, but nothing more than mewling quim. Amazing. <laughs> Who are you attacking with vicious mockery? The weasel that is on top of Craig? That is on top of Isaac? Great. That's an 11 all in. All right. Go ahead and roll your damage. Two. Two damage. Love me some vicious mockery. Uh, nice. The weasel now knows that you're here. Also, disadvantage on the attack. His next attack. Good. Uh, that's movement, action, and bonus uh, from Mel, I would believe. That's his turn. June, give me a perception check, would you? Thirteen. Oh, oh God. Uh, Fourteen. DC for this was 13. Uh, you clock back up in the hole. <laughs> The smoke spirit standing in Demoiselle's roost. You do not want this thing to get down to you. So, two people are very bonded with June. Mm-hmm. Would I be able to sense that bond right now with Harissa and Isaac? Can I see if their chests are moving up and down? Can I tell if they're alive? Go ahead and give me another perception check, this time at advantage, please. Okay, the first one is a 15. Okay. Second one is a 12. On a 15, you see that Harissa is up. Uh, She's still prone, but she's alive. She's conscious. She's seething. Isaac is unconscious, and through the clog of bodies and the thicket of minehead boys, who, again, just seem like bird people to you at the moment, you can't tell if he's still breathing. Is that every... She sees Isaac's body on the ground, and everything goes silent? And slows down, and she is going to, they're 60 feet away, um, 
she's going to spend a bond and cast uh, and do Step of the Wind to make it over to Isaac uh, for her movement. Um, and she's going to da, 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 swing her quarterstaff two-handed at whichever weasel is closest to him if it's within punting range. Um, I want to be fair here because it just occurred to me that I that none of us have checked this. Harissa. Yes. Had you redistributed good berries since your last long rest? I think the last time she gave out good berries was when Spinks gave some to Reevesy when Reevesy was down. That would have been So I think she still That would have been has... after this long rest. The, that would have been after the yeah. previous long rest. So she has some, I think, still. Okay. She has like nine, eight, eight or nine or something Okay. Like. I wanted to put that back on the table for everybody to be aware that that, I think, is your only source of healing at the moment. So, June, if you would still like to use your quarterstaff, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure you knew the sort of options on the table. No, she's her main thing is going to be getting Isaac up. Okay. Um, so, step of the wind and uh, shaking Isaac... And reaching, frantically reaching into her pockets and opening his mouth and jamming the little bonbon in there. A little chocolate ball. (laughs) (laughs) Bonbon, I'm done. You cannot do this to me. You cannot. No, you're you're getting up right now. Get, wake the fuck up. And Isaac, you hear, wake the fuck up. (laughs) He sees June's face. Home. And just holds her face. And then for just for just a split moment, but he just forehead to forehead and closes his eyes. You are not you cannot leave me. Don't you don't you dare go anywhere. Can't lose you. You'll never lose me, kiddo. I'll always be right here. He points at your chest. Well, I need you more than just in my chest right now, because I think we're gonna get the shit beaten out of us. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on right now, but just just remember that for me. Just remember that for me. And we cut. Guard. Guard. What the hell are you doing in here? How did you even get here? Guard. You see Ganbald step from behind the old maple tree. And he turns and he looks at you and he does a double take because what the fuck just happened to you? You are like all sorts of dark and gray and and blood red and fiery now and it's very confusing. and, And then he stops giving a fuck. And he turns to Demoiselle. And in that way that love will find any available moment and capture it wordlessly. They embrace. And after a long, heavy pause, in which I'm imagining Guard is just kind of standing there waiting. Oh, yeah. 
can't bother. <clears throat> Demi, how? How? What? And she gestures to you, guard. And Ganbald turns and fixes you with a vacant and quizzical expression. What the hell, my guy? If I am a creature of will, and for as long as I can recall, that will has been focused in the wrong places. And I'm going to hold up my hand and look at my stump. And then I'm going to look at Demoiselle. I don't know many things, Gambald. And I know that you do know many things. Oh, well, I, I mean, I read a bit, yes. I know that this is what Demoiselle needed. And so I brought it forth. I see. Oh. Oh. And he turns back to Demoiselle and he says, Darling, I'm sorry that I couldn't help you grieve in the way that you needed. But if this is what you need, then you and I shall hold this space until it is done. Can you send me back? They nod in perfect synchronicity. And Demoiselle starts to kind of gesture in a way that you think she might be casting some magic and, and Ganbald kind of gestures for her to slow for a moment and says, Guard, if you might do me one last favor, I'm going to be here for some time. I'm not letting her go again. Someone needs to look after the shop, as it were. Offer it to Mel, if you would. Tell him I have full faith that he'll be able to keep things moving. He knows how the routine goes, and I'm sure he'll be busy looking for Jonathan's shell anyway. He is one of the most trustworthy creatures I have ever encountered. Guard's going to look uh, to Demoiselle. He's going to pick up his axe and sort of hunk it over his shoulder with his one hand that's left. Thank you for trusting me. I do not know how long it will take, but until it is done, it is my will. She fixes you with a stony expression. Don't let me down. And two clawed fingers extend, and you feel yourself falling weightless back into your body and you slam back into the ceramic faceplate gone hand 
gone, body hardened into slate, with dark, void filigree. And with that, we move to Safra. Some fucking whiplash here. <laughs> right. Dude, I... It's... It's my six in the morning, so I need y'all to understand. <laughs> this has been a this has been a lot. <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. <sighs> All right. What's the sitch? Where are the weasels? And where are the boys? They're all right in front of you. How much distance between each of them? Are any of them close together? They're all close together. All right. All right. I still have two bombs left, basically. <gasps> oh, gosh. Blow them up, blow them up, up. Yeah, yeah. Remember those bombs I had that I got stabbed in the back and I couldn't use them? Yeah, I still have those. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about I, I threw it! <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hurt Isaac and June and Mel, obviously, uh, in these explosions. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to give you. All right, lay it on me. You don't know this, but we are effectively out of combat. Their morale is going to break momentarily. Oh. Do it. Okay. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> right. Who cares? <laughs> what I'm going to give you, what I'm going to give you is we can act kind of outside of initiative here such that Mel and June can ensure that Isaac gets out of the way. Here's the thing. Okay. The Minehead boys are not going to listen to you. Do I? Did I figure it out that they're the Minehead boys? I can't remember if I did. You recognized at least Sherwood, yeah. So your trade-off here is that you can use one or both of these bombs, but any amount of damage that you do to the weasels, it, the Minehead boys are going to be subject to, potentially, if they fail their saves. Hmm. Harissa is incensed, and I think she's probably not thinking very clearly about the consequences of what could potentially happen if she bombs these motherfuckers. So I think she is just going to launch one bomb into the sort of middle of them to try and kind of like get a good radius. Uh, I would like you to please roll me uh, a D4 first and foremost. You're going to catch both of these weasels and then you're going to catch this D, uh, this D4 result minus one of the Minehead boys. Could I could I make that a minus two if I throw my shield? Yeah, fuck it. Yes. I got a two. Holy shit. The things I agree to. Yeah. Why do I say yes to things? Because uh, it's cool. We it, think of cool I, shit. The shield is yeah. too the shield is too fucking good. I just can never say no to the goddamn shield. Hey man. Ain't nothing wrong with that. What was the save on this thing? Oh my god, I can't remember. Um, a million. Uh, 2d6, 10 foot radius, DC 13th X save. Okay, there you go. Cinder was right. <laughs> they both take full damage, 2d6 each. Who are the weasels? Yeah. Yeah, boys. I love that Dim was, they're like in their plane and they're like, yeah, everything will be fine. Two seconds later. 
Here's what I think it is. Go ahead and roll me damage because I need to know how this goes first. Nine. Okay. Here's what y'all see. June, you grab Isaac's arm, heaving him up to his feet as Harissa, in a blind fury, lights one of these rock bombs filled with gunpowder and just rolls it into the crowd in front of you. Mel swoops in, seeing that this thing is going to absolutely take out all of you. Tip of the rapier whips it up toward the weasels. Grabs June by the arm, pulling all three of you forward. Harissa, you scuffle to your feet and get just outside of the radius. In the fray, all of you shove Minehead boys out of the way, and the bomb explodes, doing nine points of damage each to both of the weasels. They are not down. How? They hadn't been hurt. Vicious Mockery was the first damage on the one. That's true. <laughs> I one-shot one of them, but the the other ones are still undamaged. Uh, so we are going to go ahead and say uh, that in the midst of all of this, I am going to give Mel uh, an attempt to swing on these things. I think Mel is probably the closest. Uh, so Mel, if you would like to do an attack, see if you could finish them. How close is everyone in respect to this cluster of enemies? Uh, at this point, they're getting pretty far out, right? Beyond that sort of 10-foot blast radius, so we'll say 15 feet away. Perfect. Read my mind. Mel is going to look around and make sure everyone is out of the blast radius. Well, the second blast radius after the first blast radius just <laughs> happened. He spreads his feet a little bit to get some purchase on the ground. And he looks at the crowd of enemies and he says in a strong voice, Skies grow black as danger looms while echoes crack with thunderous booms. Nice. <laughs> and he casts Thunderwave. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. What's the save on that? It is a con 14. Oh, wow. Uh, one saves, the other doesn't. I think it should be half damage for the save. Yep. And for all the fails, they all get pushed away 10 feet. Phenomenal. Very cool. Boom, boom, motherfucker. That's 11 damage. One immediately disintegrates into smoke. The other whips past guard's head guard as you come to and you see this thing beam into demoiselle's tangle of feathers and vanish and as you come to you see demoiselle's beak harden into the same stone that you are now made of and it creeps up her face beneath the feathers she sets herself to wait. And one by one, the Minehead boys fall to the ground and their feathers blow away in the wind and smoke of Harissa's bomb. As the smoke clears, you all survey the damage. And I'm curious about everyone's reaction, but I want to 
sort of drill in on two people in particular. First of which is Harissa. Harissa, you and your friends, your family have just decimated this threat. And yet it wasn't fast enough. It wasn't good enough. How is Harissa feeling? And what is she doing as the dust settles? She's stiffly getting up into uh, a sitting position off her elbows um, with a grimace, breathing as the dust sort of disappears around her. Looking around, seeing June basically protecting Isaac, bringing him up, um, shaking him (laughs) awake. Uh, Seeing Mel stomping his feet and flinging the weasels. All this seems to be happening in a slow motion for her. Um, And she... As the sort of rage sort of mixes again with the sorrow and she kind of looks around, she sees a glint in the dirt next to her and she sees the button that Spinks was wearing and tenderly sort of grabs it and pulls it into her chest and just breaks. And then she just... A mixture of wailing and angry crying and just holding onto this button. We flash back. You are holding on to a stuffed Mr. Spinks. Dressed in a dress that was definitely not made for this doll. (laughs) And it's the first time that his eye has ever come off. Came off as you were sort of tugging the dress down over his head. And you are sitting on your bed crying. And Granny Rosa walks in immediately sees what is wrong takes the button and the doll and your head into her shoulder says everything can be put to right Safra my little jewel guard I think you are the last person to really get a sense of what's happened in your absence. There is a lot of destruction and some death, but it does appear to be better than it could have been. It seems as if you've done what you set out to do. So I'm curious how Guard is feeling and what Guard does. I'm going to look down at the stump of my arm 
Has anyone seen Spinks? And Guard is going to start looking for Mr. Spinks amongst, uh, amongst uh, what's going on. I think without um, looking up, Harissa will just say, Guard, Spinks is he's gone. And at hearing that, uh, Guard is just going to, in a very robotic motion, just <laughs> sit down hard on the ground, sort of wrap his oversized arms around his knees, and just sort of sit for a bit next to Harissa. Harissa, I think, will... <laughs> Obviously, after the, the jolt of him <laughs> sitting down next to her... Um, and the wince, because that probably hurt quite a bit. Take a shaky breath and so just put, without even looking at him, just kind of put her arm on his arm. Just that sort of like, thank you. And also, uh, I got you sort of thing. Like that kind of like, thank you, but I support you at the same time. Like we've kind of got each other's backs here. Um, And she just, I don't think she says anything else. I don't think she cares. So over the course of this arc, there has been a weird connection that I have noticed several times where the magical aesthetic of Sphinx has kind of matched the magical aesthetic of Guard. Yeah. When Harissa pats Guard on the shoulder, does he feel any of that magic still there? Like, is there like a little bit of a, a zap or something? Give me a perception check. That's a 17. Yeah, there absolutely is. She is still a lizard. You're not sure what this means, but she is. Hmm. Guard is going to look down to Harissa. I'll think about that for a little bit, but he's not going to say anything in the moment. I don't think Harissa has noticed any of the color changes in Guard yet either. She hasn't really looked at him properly, so... There's no... Uh, she'll realize in a minute, I'm sure. But the rest of you are all here. And I want to open up the rest of the scene to anyone else. This is the first time in a while that you have all been in the same place. Can we see where the smoke spirit is? Funnily enough, no. So, um, did, did we do it? I think so. I talked to Demoiselle, and I think there is a lot of work left to be done, but... I think we've done as much as we can here. What? But where's 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 Gambald? Can't just leave this. Look at this place. Gambald is with Demoiselle. They have decompression to work through. Melmanon. Yes. Uh, I, I have to say, I, I would be remiss in my duties in this place of rest and relaxation if I did not ask if you all are okay. 
I've been better. Yeah, just a couple scratches, nothing. Little. Maybe no. a bath or something. I just need yeah. to stretch. I think I threw my hip out earlier. Oh, shit. Oh, no, yeah. That, that's going to that's be sore. <laughs> Melmanon, when you say that, do you mean it? Well, yes, of course. I, I must confess, before, it was just part of... I don't want to call it my ruse, but I was just following orders. But now, when I when I ask it, I I have grown fond of all of you, and I I genuinely care if you are okay. I do not mean us. I mean this place. Melmanon looks up at the tower and looks around and sees the street, and I assume some people sort of milling about and looking at what's going on now that things have quieted down a little bit. Yeah, heads are starting to poke out. Yeah, absolutely. And he doesn't say this out loud, but he has this feeling of he's never really felt like he's found much of a purpose before, but he suddenly realizes I'm actually very useful in this place. I've I've never been able to feel like I was as useful as this. And he thinks particularly about that memory that he recently saw of Branvir and how he failed him. And so he says to Guard, Well, yes, I, I care very much about this place. Gambald is going to be gone for some time. He asked that I offer you the role of warden of this place to take on his responsibilities in his stead to make sure that this is a place of rest and relaxation. Melmanon just sort of squats down on his haunches suddenly he says, I'm going to need to take a minute. I know that you have not yet found Branvir. Uh, actually, um, I might, I might have found something about him. And June's going to pull out the torn sheet from the, the book. He's still here. Melnona quickly gets up and goes over to June and he looks at the paper. He just looks up gratefully at June and says, you did it. It all, all in a day's work, it all went according to plan, right? All according to <laughs> <laughs> Like a, a, a one of the like mantles breaks. <laughs> uh, Mel, you glance at this piece of paper and see a couple of things. The first thing that you see is Dale. Snowthorn. How could you have forgotten? 
you would have known exactly who Dale was. And yeah, she... She takes after him. When you know where to look. Second thing you see is Branvere. And you see that he's opted not to stay at the bathhouse. Instead, he is seeking relaxation on a nearby mountain. A hill with a garden atop, tended by those who work at the bathhouse. A place of solitude. That's why you couldn't find him. He wasn't anywhere you'd think to look. Melmanon just breaks out in a big smile and starts shaking his head, looking at the piece of paper. And he starts laughing a little bit. He, he looks up at June, smiling and laughing, and there's just a little bit of tears in his eyes with recognition of Dale and Katarin. That certainly explains some shit to you. It also raises like 80 other questions, but it explains at least one thing. Oh, yeah. Are, are you okay, Mel? <laughs> yeah, I, I think for the first time in a long time, I, I, I actually... I, I am. He sort of shakes his head a little bit. And, oh, but uh, tell me, you, you all, you were looking for, for your folks too, did are they in the ledger too? Did you find Isaac points to the ground, <laughs> and you see the uh, minehead boys just lying there. We found them. It, it, it's all good. Congratulations on your promotion. Oh well, oh, thank you. I I guess uh, I feel a little underqualified. Um, but hey, <laughs> I guess uh, we'll just have to learn on the job, right? As soon as you say learn on the job, uh, Reevesy scampers out from the front door. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, 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 uh, big, big trouble in there. Uh, smoke spirit is uh, uh, on their way down the, um, the, the elevator, and um, they seem pretty upset about something. And I figured you guys were all entangled in the brute haha out here. And I figured I should I should come out here and warn you that, 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 that the smoke spirit's probably not going to be too happy about what's going on. Wow, that is a big assumption, Reezy, that you think we did all this. No, I mean, I just figured you were, you were involved because, you know, you're physically in the proximity of the damage. Well, that, you know, we could just be innocent bystanders. But at the same time, yeah, we should probably get the hell out of here, guys, honestly. If, if that thing's pretty pissed, we... Is there like... I mean, do you know where Gambold is? Because Gambold could probably calm him down. Uh, is he still in his meditative state? He's gone. Gambold's gone. Oh, he's gone, gone. He's hey, gone, gone. Of Reevesies, there's actually been a, a change in um, positions. I don't know if you heard. I don't know where I would have heard. I was in the process of um, talking to Gouda Stone End about whether or not I had been imbibing the Perilberry wine. Uh, turns out I hadn't. I'm not really sure what was going on there, but um, I, I'm glad we got it all sorted out, all the ledges straight. Mel's going to step up to Reevesie and say, Ganbald is taking a bit of a sabbatical for a while, and he's... What's that mean? He's taking some personal time. Oh! 
and in his stead he has placed me in charge temporarily. Now, oh, that's a big promotion. I, that's it, what I said. It came as a bit of a shock to me as well. And while I feel <laughs> I, I will be able to get the lay of the land, I, I could definitely use some help. And I find that a second-hand position is now available beneath me. And I, <gasps> I must say, I have not, I have not appreciated Reezy for all of your talents. Yes. And if you would accept Stop. my apology and yes, my job offer, I would be most appreciative. Best lieutenant ever. Um, Mr. Lapignon, I, I really don't know what to say. Um, I, 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 do I have a choice? I've kind of just been doing what I've been told. You absolutely have a choice. You can... Then I choose yes. Well, I'm very oh. glad. <laughs> I love that for him. Wow. I love that for him so much. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would be, I'd be very grateful to be able to help out around here. And um, honestly, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the the whole guidance operation was was faltering a little bit without the leadership. I feel like um, I don't want to put on airs or nothing, but I feel like we could be making a few changes to improve the efficiency of the operation. And 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 I'm just, I'm very excited about this, Mr. Lapinio. Thank you for the opportunity very much, sir. Yes, Reevesy, you and I are gonna clean up this town. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, you should maybe start by talking to the smoke spirit, who I think is probably trying to kill you specifically. <laughs> uh, I think Mel blanches a little bit, remembering, oh yeah, uh, I, I did that situation. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes, we will have to have words with them. They're on their way right now, you say? Yeah, they should be here at about... <laughs> the doors explode and the smoke spirit roils <laughs> into the fucking uh, courtyard and adopts this, like, predatory, like, wolf with its hackles up four-point stance, staring down Mel. June's gonna step in front of Isaac with her bow staff. Harissa doesn't give a shit. She's just... <laughs> I, I I think I'm safe. I think you should uh you know help help out your if if no. nice eared friend. I I got my bow staff. I'm uh, just I'm just. No no no! I insist, and he's gonna push June into Mel. <laughs> <laughs> the juxtaposition of form here is extraordinary. Uh, Mel feels the bump as June jostles into him uh, and he's confused by this I'm here to protect you <laughs> you're doing great you're doing great kiddo I don't know what to say to that he suddenly realizes he's still holding his rapier and he looks at the smoke spirit and he sheathes his rapier and he just holds his hands out to his sides, palms forward, and says, My friend, I have wronged you. I was acting selfishly. I was acting on what I thought was good. But I acted rashly. You did not deserve that disrespect. 
Now, there are many things that you and I need to talk about. There will be time for that later. But right now, I want to make sure that you will not harm these good people. Make me a persuasion check, please. A twelve. The smoke spirit cools, straightens, eyes you over, then looks behind them to the body of Demoiselle, turns to guard. What does it read on guard's face? I don't think guard has a face to read anymore, but I think it's more reading his stance. Sure. Um, I think guard is standing with purpose. I think guard feels very self-assured in this moment um, and is standing uh, almost at attention. Okay. The smoke spirit bows to guard and then turns and takes up a sleepless vigil by Demoiselle. And I think with that, I would like to jump forward a little bit and uh, see if there are any uh, kind of final scenes that you all want to undertake in the afterlife. I think Harissa has a couple of things uh, she would like to do. I think the first one would be, I don't even know if Mel would know, but she would want to ask what what happens if you die in this place? Where do you go? There are still things that I do not know about this place. As I said before, I have not been here as long as some people and... <laughs> I'm no Ganbald yet, but I do know that you cannot die in a place where you have already passed through death to get to. I suppose I, as we weren't dead to begin with, I don't really know where to start, whether Binks is somewhere here, or nowhere at all. From what little I do know about the relationship you shared with Spinks, it transcends this place and even the transition from life to death. If I were to hazard a guess, I would say, not that Spinks is somewhere right now, but Something tells me Sphinx is not gone. I, 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 don't, I don't know what tells me that. But as I said, you, you cannot cease to exist here other than through Demoiselle or Ganbald's wards, which are quite terrifying, and I would like to learn more about those. Um, Which, by the way, as far as you're aware, those words are still active on that elevator. I will have so. to look into that. I'll <laughs> no, to no one used that. I forgot to ask Gambald for the garage door <laughs> password. Get into your own <laughs> office. <laughs> we don't talk about that room anymore. I just like the idea of one of those like 
<laughs> yellow sort of like cones just next yeah. to the out of order. the door, just like out of order. Yeah, <laughs> permanently. I think Harissa, somewhere deep down, is hard through the grief at the moment. But I think somewhere deep down, she agrees, as she kind of this this spark of a knowing that he's just somewhere out of reach and she doesn't know where that is yet so um your words have reassured that little bit of hope in her and you kind of see her sort of nod slowly and sort of a little side smile i think she manages just in a sort of thank you and i think after that and she's going to head out and with that that little piece of ribbon that Ariel gave her. She's going to take that ribbon to to the meeting point that she was going to meet Ariel at. Mm -hmm. And she's just going to tie it to somewhere obvious and walk away. And that's it. She's ready to go home. Uh, I've got a couple of things. June wants to go to Isaac. And... Uh, well, first she goes to Mel and asks if she could borrow that piece of paper. Mel, you just know where Branbury is now, so you don't need it anymore. And brings it to Isaac. Hey, what's, what's, what's this? What's this, kiddo? Uh, when I was looking for stuff on Branbury, um, I happened to also find out a little bit about my daddy being here. Oh. Okay. Um, and she'll pass the paper over to him. Uh, Isaac holds on to the paper. We. And she's just, she's shaking and. Big, big watery eyes. We missed him. Uh, June, I like June, day. June, June. And he's going to take the paper. And he crumples it. He was here. It's okay. I didn't even know that I wanted the chance to say goodbye. And then when I realized I had it, and then it was gone. I don't know what to do with that. What do I do with this? I think I have an idea. Mel's going to poke his head into the room and say, June... Could I have you? I, I mean, could I, could I speak to you for, for, for a moment? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Mel, you can have me. I mean, I'll go with you. I'm coming. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we going? There's a, there's a, a, a little garden that I, I wanted to, to, to show to you. And I, I, I have a gift for you. A gift? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, I've, I, I've put it there. Um, so, uh, shall we, shall we walk together? Uh, all right. And Mel's going to take her to this 
little sort of oasis of a garden that isn't open to the public. It's one of the more private areas for not just the staff, but I think this is something that Ganbald showed to Mel as a special place of respite for for Mel if he needs to use it, Gambald uses it, other high-ranking members of the staff. And in the center of it, there's this really beautiful, huge oak tree. And as soon as they walk in, Mel says, I don't spend much time here, but I, I remembered there was this amazing tree, and, and I thought, do you want to climb it? <laughs> June looks up at the tree and kind of analyzing the best ways to climb it. Say, first one to the top, and she's gone. All right, he's hopping after her. Now that they're up in the tree, and they're huffing and puffing, and they're laughing at how quickly she, she beat him. Why are you so slow? Esmo's laughter dies down a little bit. He says to June, I, I have to thank you. I, I've been so solely focused on one goal here. I hadn't ever stopped to think about what Branvia might want. And you so easily suggested that. You so easily saw all sides of this. And I must admit, I had lost a bit of myself. I lost a bit of, I had lost a bit of my desire to even be back in the land of the living. I was so focused on coming here and getting Branvir back and what life was like out there without him that I don't think I even wanted to be there anymore. And now I, I, I find myself in this extremely strange predicament where I have been put in charge of this place. And now as soon as I have that job, I find a reason to want to be back in the land of the living again. And, I, well, I'll come right out and say it. That reason is you. <laughs> Me? Yes, I, I, I've never met someone with... Uh, well, I've only ever met two people besides you with that same sense of empathy and thinking outside yourself. And who was that? I... Well, there's no easy way to say this. I, I, I knew your parents. I, I think. I think. You knew my parents? From, from here? Mm. Or from the living world? From the living world. I, I didn't know them well, but I knew them enough to respect them. And I, 
I can plainly see they have passed on all of their greatest attributes to you. They were pretty great. I wish I'd gotten to know them better. I was... You know... I think that's what I've been struggling with a lot recently, is I feel like... They were so great, and I was... Such a shit sometimes. But, um... I know what it's like to miss someone so bad that you get kind of blindsided. I know what that's like, um, even if I wasn't willing to admit it to myself. So don't, don't feel bad. You wanted your friend. Um, and it sounds like you might have a chance to, you know, maybe when he's ready to reconnect with him. And I won't lie, it would be kind of nice to see you in the real world. Um, but, you know, now you got this job and I have something to look forward to when I come back. Mel's gonna hop up to be on the same branch as June and hold out his hand and say now don't you be coming back here too quick I want you to take care of yourself out there <laughs> I mean you've seen how we live yeah y'all are <laughs> I don't know I can't really promise that <laughs> it's a bit rough and tumble out there yeah that's true but take care of yourself in here too um, I, I'll go ahead and come out and say, I mean, I'll, I'll miss you. Um, and thank you so much for everything you've done for me and my family. And she'll give him a little peck on the cheek. And then we transition. <laughs> uh-huh. To the bathhouse. Uh-huh. All of us. Okay. At the bathhouse. Okay. Oh, there are grapes on the shield. There are grapes on the shield. Okay. Amazing. We are having... Um, can we have like a barbecue or something here? Or just a little, little, little feast? Yeah. And sipping on some tea. Mel, I'm assuming, is, is, is supervising or hanging out as well. And Isaac begins telling an amazing story about Dale. Of how he was the life of the party. And he always made everyone there feel comfortable. No matter where we were. That was one thing I loved about him the most. Whether you were a stranger or his closest friend, you always felt welcome. Thing transitions to talking about. Now, I didn't know Mr. Spinks that well. Just met him. But can I say that little so-and-so, he could, he, he could make you chuckle, make you laugh. 
Wear the hell out of a dress. Yes, yes, yes. Fashion sense out of this world. And when you were in a pickle, we always had your back. Now, if there's one thing that this life has ever taught me, it's that life and loss are just as inevitable as death. Now, I'm going to tell you all right now, you have to grieve. Everyone grieves differently, but try and do it the way you can. But now we've learned that the same world is where those souls get to try at life anew. So how about we head back home and make sure that next try is worth it?
talk about it. 